Welcome to the Harry Potter Virgin, where three Potterheads guide a wizarding world virgin on their first journey from platform nine and three quarters. On this show, our resident muggle Rob will share his experience of reading the original Harry Potter series for the first time in his 30-something years. He'll be helped along the way by three veterans of the Potterverse. This is Series 4, Episode 6, Aboard the Rob Warts Express. Today, we will be reviewing Chapters 10 and 11 of Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. They are Mayhem at the Ministry and Aboard the Hogwarts Express. Before Rob joins us, let me bring in my co-host to set the scene. Welcome, Millers. Hello. And Phil. The many house elves of Hogwarts. The many, many house elves of Hogwarts. <laughs> That'd be a fun sitcom, wouldn't it? Oh, that'd be brilliant. That's it. That'll come up later. Maybe that'll come up later in some uh, some hot OP we've got fresh. Yeah. Housekeeping, anyone? Housekeeping? Um, I have a query for Phil. Yeah, hit me. Um, do you post do you post the mugs internationally? Uh yeah, I can do. It's likely to be a bit spannier on the old postage. I'll have to get a quote from DPD. Okay. Who's asking? Well, Stefan Madu asked, didn't they? Stefan Madu, R- long, long, long time friends of the show. I'm not sure they actually want a mug, but they did ask if that we'd be what the international shipping rates are. Put it on one of those shipping containers, send it through the Suez. That'll make it cheap. Oh, yeah, yeah, true. It just takes eight weeks to get anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> and that's if it doesn't get blocked. Yeah, which can happen, as we now know. We know. Phil, have you seen um, have you seen Hamilton? You have, haven't you? Have yeah. I seen Hamilton? Yeah. <laughs> we went to see that at the weekend. Oh my God, you die in. Yeah, it was awesome. It was banging. We'd, we'd never, we'd seen nor heard nothing of it deliberately. Have you downloaded the soundtrack now? It's all I listen to now. Yeah. Oh my God. Um. Okay. But we Have need to watch to the Disney the Plus one so that I can actually understand some of the words. But also because the Hamilton we saw wasn't that good. No way. She means the actor, mm. not not yeah. the not the whole show. No, the show was yeah. great, but Hamilton like wasn't as good as the rest of the cast. Can't wait to have some form of um, Hamilton wrap off going down. Yeah, that would be fun, wouldn't it? That would be fun. I am a huge fan. <sighs> yeah, unfortunately, I had to take a break from that to actually listen to the chapters. So, what did we think of the chapters, guys? Um, your thoughts, predictions on Rob's thoughts. Anything you want to add? Uh, a bit boring, like nothing much happened. I think, and I think Rob will agree with that. Yeah, I think we might get some grumbles this week. The thing is, these are the chapters that like, when you're reading it, it's all part of it. It's like, you need these chapters. Yeah. And they're short and you do get something from them. But when you are reading just these chapters and you're not allowed to move on that week. Yeah. Then it kind of... It's not as good. <laughs> I think if we get any kind of interest from him, it will mainly be from Mayhem at the Ministry. Um, That's a, I think it's a good chapter. There's a, li- there's a bit of world building there. Um, yeah. So we'll see what he thinks of all that. Um, I think aboard the Hogwarts Express, we might be looking at a P. Phil? I wouldn't be happy with a P, I'll be honest. I'll, I'll be fuming with a P if I'm, if I'm being completely... Yeah, if that's where we are, then you, that's you where would, we are. You would be devastated by a P. Yeah, I would. I'd be, yeah, I'd be pissed off. I'd be pissed off with a You'd P. Be peed off. I'd be peed off with a P. I think they're great chapters. They are admin-y. They are quite quick. 
but I, you know, you can't have a book without him. No, you can't. That's what I mean. But we you don't really want to read them in isolation. Guys, I got a bit of housekeeping. Go on then. Been down the COVID test centre. Oh yeah. yeah. You got COVID? Uh, No, got had to get sky tested. She had a bloody temperature, so take it down. Praying for a next. She hasn't been vaxxed though, so. She's, yeah, not because she's an anti-vaxxer. She's an anti-vaxxer, isn't she? She never wears a fucking mask. (laughs) She don't bother with a mask. I've heard her telling, she's she's always banging on about the New World Order. Yeah, she's got, she's got real beef with it all. So um, she's held out on the old vaccine, but um, we'll see what happens. I'll I'll keep you guys posted. Let's, um, should we bring him in? Yeah. All right, let's bring him in. Hello, Rob. All right, nerds. Hello. How you doing? You all right? I'm oh, good, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> so I was just giving thanks, a bit sir. of energy this week. No, that's all right. We always mess up. We always mess up the Rob entrance, and I have to like edit it so it's smoother. Don't know how <laughs> we need to. Go. We haven't got the past the bit where he says, "All right, nerds." They're not sure what to do. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, you you doing well? Had a good week. I'm good. Yeah, yeah. Not too bad. Not too bad. Not much how's, to report this how's week. How's the drawing? Drawing is hard, isn't it? Hey, I mean, I'm yeah. enjoying, you know, being forced into some creativity. It's nice. Uh, I don't remember okay. the last time I drew before this. Okay. Well, we really cool see it. We're, we're going to get to that um, shortly after your, your first assignment of the week, which was to read these two chapters. Let's start with chapter 10, Mayhem at the Ministry. Can I have a hot take, please, Rob? Yeah, it was back down to earth, really, for this. You know, I, I think... People might have thought I was getting carried away, but no, these this was not a great chapter. Okay, thank you very much. And um, what about chapter 11 then, aboard the Hogwarts Express? Yeah, uh, slightly better, pretty functional, middle-of-the-road chapter. Well, without further ado, off the back of those takes, um, let's, let's take the energy oh, let's do it. of Rob's entrance. Let's take the energy of Rob's entrance. And, and inject it into these walkthroughs, starting with Philippa to just explore these chapters a bit more. Take it away. Okay, so basically, they get up early the next morning, pack up the tents. As they're leaving, they see Mr. Roberts, who greets them with a bit of a Merry Christmas. Mr. Weasley kind of senses that the kids are a bit worried about him. They, he actually tells them something about when people's memories are modified. Can you remember what that was? Yeah, he basically says like they can be a bit kind of, you know, disorientated, not really know what's going on. A bit groggy. Especially when they've had like a big old memory blanking. uh, Yeah. Because he's been obviously been tossed around for a bit. So there's a lot to clear out. Yeah, pretty, pretty traumatising. They get a portkey back to Stokes Head Hill. They walk home. And how are they received by Molly Weasley? Oh, she's obviously been, you know, she's been worried. She's been oh, worried about her. So, yeah, she's, um, she's all very kind of glad you're alive. Sorry for arguing with you kind of vibe. Yeah. And very motherly. Who does, she, who does she hug first? Arthur. Arthur, and then, then she gets the, um, the twins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Clonks yeah, their heads she, together. She feels bad that they could have died, and the last thing she did was, was have a go at them. Um, she's holding an issue of the Daily Prophet and the headline of it are Scenes of Terror at the Quidditch World Cup. What can you tell me about that article? It's written by Rita Skeeter. Yeah. Do you like that name? 
Well, it's, he's applied a Geordie. He's applied a Geordie accent to it immediately. It felt uh, nice to. It felt right. The right <laughs> thing to do. Um, I guess she's moved on from alliteration to rhyme now, which is well. F- the books are developing. We've always told you that. Yeah. Yeah, big time. But yeah, she's the journo, and she obviously doesn't like the ministry. So it's pretty kind of anti-ministry, scathing. Yeah, absolutely. I've got some really bad news for you, Rob, and that's that um, Stephen Fry doesn't voice her as a Geordie. Oh, that is disappointing. He doesn't voice anyone as a Geordie. No, maybe he's not very good at the accent. No. Yeah. I bet he is, his, his, his go-to tends to be thick northern. Yeah, it does. It doesn't really it? mention any accents in the book, does it? Hagrid's got an accent, as it's written. Yeah, they tend to be written with them. Mm. Yeah. But most aren't, are they? Most don't no, have. the vast majority aren't. So... Some counties English. Mr Weasley and Percy end up heading into the office. They want to help with um, the kind of clear-up of everything that's gone gone on. Harry asks Mrs Weasley if Hedwig's come, and Ron and Hermione get a bit suspicious as to who Harry's been writing to. Um, they go up to Ron's bedroom, and Harry discloses what's happened the night before he arrived at Ron's house. What's Ron and Hermione's response? Oh, it's basically just what what we expected. Yeah. This is why this is a dull chapter, because we've got people working, people having to work quite a lot and not being at home. We've got admin around post arriving. And then all the stuff we hear about is basically what we've already heard about before, but the character's learning it. It's a bit of recap, yeah, but... Mm. It's a fluffer. It's a fluffer. Yeah, but we do get to hang out with Bill and Charlie a bit more. Yeah. Uh, even his mum thinks his hair's shit. Yeah, but yeah, but your hair's cool if your mum thinks it's shit. Not true, because my parents thought my hair was shit, and I've looked back at photos and it was shit. <laughs> I'd like to see <laughs> some of those That's because you're old now, so you're not cool. You are not cool, Rob. No, honestly, there is an absurd yeah. photo where my hair is looks like fire, like it's all kind of gelled up, and the hair is the length of my head again. Like, <laughs> like Jesuits. Yeah, exactly. Please. It is absolutely absurd. Please, find me, we, Rob. Can we get that we on that. Instagram, that. please? I, I can see that on a mug. Oh, yeah, I can see that on a <laughs> mug. It's going to have to be a tall mug. Have to be one of those thin coffee ones. Yeah, like a in. long thin mug, and um, one of those where like the hair's black, but when it's got hot water and it goes ginger, like as <laughs> yes, <goes>. yes. <laughs> <laughs> so any mug orders for that one specifically? I think that one's going to be ginger. quite spunny. Mm. 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 Yeah, Harry does reference the prophecy a bit. Do you remember what he was talking about there? Yeah, he talks about obviously he kind of. Uh, or Ron dismisses a nightmare that he's yeah that, that they're gonna come and kill him or yeah. kill someone. Uh, but he says it's a bit more, a bit more than that. Absolutely. Um, they then go and play some Quidditch, which is Vance. Um, Mr. Weezy and Percy, as you've just said, working really long hours over the next few days, and um, the scene is set in one of the evenings. Hermione's reading, Charlie's darning his balaclava. What are the twins doing? Oh, they're just, they're kind of huddled around a bit of parchment. And yeah. uh, mum thinks that they're doing another order form. Yeah. What do you think they're doing? Could be anything. Some japes. 
Yeah. Some jolly jabes. Could be hangman. Could be hangman. Could, yeah. It could be hangman. Like, uh, like could just be drawing penises. You know, <laughs> that, <laughs> no, that fits like something they do. Yeah, true. Mr. Weasley arrives home. He tells everyone that it's all kicking off at the ministry and that Rita Skeeter's now found out about our friend Bertha Jorkins going missing. So he imagines that's going to be all over the news the next day. There's a lot of derisory um, kind of like snuffles and sniggers from Rob this evening. <laughs> Every, everything you mentioned is sort of is sort of responded with a kind of... <laughs> yeah, what's your beef, Rob? Yeah, what's your beef, Rob? What's... It was a sentence involving the names Rita Skeeter and Beth Jorkins in the same in the same sentence. Not that happy was with that, is it? Um, yeah, so we just find out about your mate Bertha. Hermione and Percy have a bit of a disagreement again about the whole thing with Winky. Then at the end of the chapter, Ron and Harry head upstairs and they go through the stuff that Mrs. Weasley has picked up for them in Diagon Alley. Now, what happens at this point, Rob? Yeah, poor Ron's got a got a kind of some old cast off sort of 70s dress robe yeah. going on. I can't believe she's done all of their shopping for them. It's, it must have taken ages. I know, they've only gone a day as well. I reckon it's way more way more uh, efficient when you're not dragging around like six teenagers to be Yeah. Fair. Yeah, but this is something I don't really get about this. This summer seems to disappear. Yeah. Because it's like he's like barely at the Dursleys and then he goes like to the Wheezies like the day before they go to the World Cup or something. And then she's like, oh, you don't, you're not going to have time to go to Diagon Alley. And before you know it, they're going back to... Hogwarts. Oh, Millers, time flies like, when you're having fun. It does, yeah. yeah. That's a good point. Well made. Do you know what I mean? That's the end, bro. That is literally the end. Rob's got some frilly dress yeah. robes. I am right. Like nothing, nothing happened, did it? Plenty happened. No, I've got, mm. I got, I felt sorry for Ron with the old yeah. hand-me-down jobs because I, I was, I was uh, very much had these as when I was growing up. What the mm. lacy dress? Yeah, lacy dresses, like stuff that's too big, stuff that you don't really like. I also, do you know what winds me up most is when, like, adults, when you're younger, like, oh, it's, you know, it's supposed to be like that. Like, when you got your first blazer for school and they're like, oh, you know, it's supposed to be big or, like, you yeah. know, you're only supposed to do one button up and you end up looking like a fucking knob for, for seven years at school. <laughs> Why do they do that? Why didn't I just reject that at year seven and just wear stuff that actually fitted? Yeah. Because you don't... in charge of the money. Yeah, Mm. and you don't know. Never did grow into that blazer, so... Rob, um... You didn't have the same one for seven years. I had the same one for seven years. No, I didn't have the same one for seven years, but I... I, No, five years. I can still wear my current one. Have you got it? I mean, I said... You still have it? Yeah, it's still knocking about somewhere. Why? That's mental. Just for the Just in case. Rob, if you were going to a Harry Potter fancy dress party and you have to go, like you do have to go and you do have to dress up, like you cannot just back out of this. Mm. Um, what would you dress up as? Who? Sorry. Who would you dress I up as? I would probably go as um, one of the um, camp horses. Centaurs. Yeah, centaurs with a big sort of... You'd need a back end. Yeah, I'd get a sort of contraption for the back end, I think. Oh, right. You wouldn't wouldn't see Matt. I thought you might like to be Dobby. Oh, you'd make a good Dobby. 
I think you would make a good Dobby. You'd get to make your own um, your own cock nose out of papier-mâché. <laughs> <laughs> and you're, you'd, you'd have the ears. You can get those elf ears. And it's really cheap because you just buy a, just wear a pillowcase. Yeah. Yeah, you'd look good in that. Do you have to, like, sort of, is he green? Green paint? Or is that Yoda? He's Yoda's green. Yoda's green confirmed. Dobby's like sort of skin colour. Yeah, it doesn't say in the book, but he's definitely not green. Okay. Would say I don't know why I was picturing him green. Okay. That's Maybe fine. I think Yoda. if you want to picture him green, that's fine, I think. Um, now, the, the only other thing I had on that was the, we've got this sort of privacy invading clock that tells you where everyone is at, this, at that time. Yeah, it's good, isn't it? I thought it was a bit, you know, she knows immediately when you know, Arthur's on his way back home from work. Like the sort of chances of a, a sneaky pint maybe on the way home. Yeah. <laughs> Ruled out. That is pretty good, isn't it? Yeah, that is that is a good point. Like Texts me like, I'm on my way. And she's like, yeah. you're fucking not. Yeah, I'm travelling. Just on the I tube. I can see it says in the pub. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's crack on with the walk for chapter 11. Rob, so chapter opens. It's raining hard the following morning. And the Weasleys, Harry and Hermione wake up to find what in the fireplace? Um, There's a big sort of bald face fella called Amos Diggory. Yeah, Amos Diggory. A big what? He's sort of a big bald egg head. Who said a furry egg? (laughs) Did I? Did I say furry egg? Was that no, what it... it says it's oh. not a bald egg. It's like a, a furry an egg. egg with hair, isn't it? It's, it's basically just the head. It's just the head in the fireplace. Hair. It is described as an egg. Yeah, that's, that's yeah, he's why. Got a very egg-shaped head. Mm. So anyway, he's in the fireplace. And um, what do you think of that? Sorry, just my, my only note that I've got on this chapter is how great is breakfast? Yeah, you... talk, us, talk us through that. Just, I think at one point it mentions that they're going down for breakfast, and I was just, oh, breakfast in general. Yeah, just got sidetracked by oh, the concept of breakfast. By far, my favourite meal of the day. By like, by far. Rob, what do you have for breakfast? Uh, porridge. What like what goes in it? Do you make it in the microwave or on the hob? Uh, on the hob. Porridge for winter. Oats, oats for summer. Do you even have porridge in the summer? No, I have. I have like the fridge oats. Yeah, do you chuck some yeah. nut butter in with that? Yeah, I mean, if you want to get into detail, I have one chopped apple, one chopped banana, the overnight oats with some green shit in, and then loads of nuts and seeds, granola, peanut butter. Anyway, what did you think of the head in the fire before you got distracted by the word breakfast? Oh, yeah. So this is like a sort of video call kind of vibe. Yeah. Yeah, good point. He comes in. And I he's never got, thought of it like that. He's, he's kind of... No, it's, like, it's FaceTime. FaceTime, yeah, intrusively into the family home with some work biz. <laughs> but I guess when old... we first experienced this, there was no FaceTime. No, visionary. What does Amos say, Rob? Uh, what, news, what news does he bring? Well, it's all quite, it was all quite unclear at the time, but we later find out it's basically some old boy who used to work at the ministry who's got into a bit of trouble and like his house has maybe even burgled or something. Yes. So it needs to be sorted out by, uh, by Arthur. So he has to go in urgently. Do you remember the name of the guy? Mad-Eye. Moody. Mad-Eye Moody. So there's a little bit of alliteration there, but it's it broken up a little bit. <laughs> yeah. um, 
it turns out he's set his dustbins um, to attack an, an intruder of some kind, it seems. And the muggle policemen have got involved. Yeah. And it's all a bit of a palaver. Mr. Weasley sort of speeds off to the ministry to try and sort this out. And they want to get Mad Eye off on like a, a minor charge. Mm. What do we learn about this Mad Eye character from Bill and Charlie? They sort of start start talking about him. Give us a bit more detail. Oh, yeah. So, so he was he was at the ministry. He was a big like sort of defender of dark creatures or something. Or he like, oh, he put loads of people in Azkaban. That's it. Yeah. He's, yeah. He's uh, banged up a few bad wizards in his time. Yeah. So in his time at the ministry, for a lot of it, he was what is called an aura. An aura is... Millers, what is an aura? The dark wizard catcher. She's nailed it in three words. So everyone else sort of loads everything into three muggle taxis that are going to take them to King's Cross Station. And how does that journey go? Yeah, the cat's playing up. It's sort of cut all the legs up. It got shitted up by an owl, I think, when, when they were putting it in. Yeah, it's, it's all a bit of a fiasco. There are some yeah. fireworks that get set off That's it. by accident. That riles up the animals. Mm. They're all like crammed into the back with their trunks and everything. Um, it's all a bit of a joke, really. But the, the taxis take them off to, to uh, King's Cross. The Hogwarts students go through to Platform 9 and 3 quarters and they board the Hogwarts Express. And what does Charlie say to them? as they are saying goodbye. Oh, there's a lot of allusion to this event that's going to happen at Hogwarts. And he says, like, I might see you soon or something, because he he might be there. And then the mother, I can't remember her name. Molly, yeah, she gives a little bit more detail. Do you remember what that little bit of detail is? Yeah, they're sort of, oh, they've changed the rules or something, or like, yeah, you know, it's all this drip feeding of info about this thing that's happening. Are you getting excited about it? Uh, yeah, well, I was I was feeling the frustration of um, the boys and Hermione. Like everyone yeah. knows about this thing, but no one's actually telling them. Because Ron's literally like hanging out the window, being like, "What's happening?" <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, yeah, the train whisks them off with all this like cryptic stuff uh, fluttering around. And on the train, Harry, Ron, and Hermione overhear Draco Malfoy, and he's sort of boasting to his friends, "What's Draco on about?" Oh, he's, he's saying that he should have been, or like he was going to be sent to another school that was less kind of uh, open to muggles. That's right. He said that his father wanted to send him to a, another school called Durmstrang. We learn it's a school in Northern Europe uh, that teaches the dark arts and doesn't allow muggle-borns to join. Do you mm. think Malfoy would have, um, would have done well in Durmstrang? Yeah, sounds ideal. Don't know why he didn't go there. So... Our three main kids, they get into their compartment and they they start a discussion about various other sort of European wizard schools. Mm. What do we learn? So we learn that about Durmstrang. Do you remember the name of the other school that they talk about that has mm. been mentioned before? Yeah, it's like Baton. Beau Baton. Beau Baton. Yeah, so there's a bit of Hermione explaining that they are like magically not like particularly visible well they're visible but they're not like they appear to be wrecks to the to the muggle eye yeah so that's hogwarts that's what we learn about hogwarts Mm. is that if if a muggle stumbles across hogwarts it will just appear as an old ruined castle and and they can't basically they can't go near it a bit like the protection around the the stadium at the wizard the um quidditch world cup 
The other two schools, they're just completely concealed. Their whereabouts seem to be completely unknown. They can't be plotted on a map. They then have a bit of a rendezvous with some other students. So we got your classics in there. You got your deans. You got your Seamus and and Big Nev. What do we learn about Neville? Uh, he didn't go to the World Cup because yeah, uh, his grand didn't want to go or something. This yeah, this this chapter feels like it's the fourth time I've read it. Do you know what I mean? Like every time you're on the train, there's a bit of a dicking around with Malfoy coming in and slagging him off. His goons laugh. Ron gets pissed off, they go away. Yeah, so we learned that Level Neville was the only one who didn't attend the World Cup and that he has pudgy hands. Didn't yeah. know if you picked that up. Yeah, yeah. Crumbs on his pudgy hands. He is quite pudgy, isn't he? So I guess yeah. his hands would be too. Yeah, makes sense. I know it does literally say that he's pudgy, but I never imagined him like that because I because he's like like he's not cool and he's like a bit like weedy and I just imagine him as like really skinny. I just immediately um, like Piggy from Lord of the Flies sort of. Yeah. In my head, like the people that I'd known who were like that kind of character were like skinny. Weedy. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So then Malfoy's back. He saunters into their compartment and he's, he's been a bit of a bellend. And what does he pick on Ron for? Ron sort of tries to hide it, but he didn't, he didn't get away with it. Yeah. It's his dodgy dress robes. Because uh, he's using it as a sort of to cover the owl cage, isn't he? Yeah. And Malfoy also mentions again something mysterious that is soon to happen at Hogwarts. And Malfoy again adds a little bit more detail on it. Did you remember any of that? Yeah. So he knows what's happening and he's sort of slagging off that two family members work at the ministry and yet they don't know about it. And he mentions sort of having to enter. He's saying, oh, are you going to enter, Potter? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He mentions about earning glory, earning money. So we're just getting a bit more uh, colour around this mysterious event. And yeah, he also mentions that his father learned of it directly from the Minister for Magic. When um, Malfoy goes, Ron achieves something that I thought was very impressive on rereading. What, what does he do? Um, what does he do? He closes the compartment door so hard oh yeah that the glass shatters yeah it's a rickety old steam train he's like hulk (laughs) unbelievable (laughs) yeah he breaks the glass Hermione fixes it repairo simple Mm. simple as and finally they arrive at hogwarts and they're taken to the castle in the row of horseless carriages while the first year students attempt to cross the lake in the boats with hagrid who is a bit concerned that they might not make it given the weather, which mm. I thought was quite a funny touch. Yeah. And that's the end of the chapter, mates. Just wet, not much to say on that. Simple as, simple as. Soggy train journey. Ratings. Um, could we have, uh, have you got your marking criteria? I have. Uh, a grade, please, for chapter 10, Mayhem at the Ministry. Yeah, I've given it a poor. He's given it a P. I'm pissed. You're peed off. (laughs) Rob, could we have a grade, please, for Aboard the Hogwarts Express? Yeah, acceptable. Just about. Oh, for fucks. AP. It's the lowest it's been for a while, isn't it? Rubbish. You forget, Rob, that books need these chapters. 
Yeah, and and they're acceptable to move it along, literally to to. Well, you're the... not even giving them both acceptable. Well, no, but I mean, this one's acceptable to move it along to Hogwarts, but it's not much going on. There's a lot of important information in there. That's all right, Rob. Oh, yeah, yeah, Phil, it's okay. It's okay. Mm. This is how the book <laughs> is supposed to work. So, Rob, <laughs> Muggle Mail. Let's give him some Muggle Mail. Let's let's pick this back up. We had a bit of Muggle Mail from a long-time friend of the show, Lauren. She said, Rob, do you think married to a prick, son's a prick, <laughs> is in Narcissa Malfoy's Insta bio? And can Rob... <laughs> And can Rob suggest any other possible Insta bios for some of the principal characters? Yeah, if she's got a sense of humour, then that would would be her Insta bio for sure. So I, I was thinking about these and I started writing one that sounded like a um, sort of dating profile. But yeah. what, it's, it's, what it's developed to instead is I'm going to read it out and, and you have to buzz in with who it is. Okay. 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 Right. Yeah, fine. Let's go for it. I like this. So, first one big nose sock lover. Please contact my agent Ron. for higher opportunities. Oh, no, Dobby. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. They always have please contact my agent for, you know, higher you opportunities. You didn't buzz in. How do I buzz? You have to say buzz. Oh, buzz. Uh, Millers? Dobby. Was it Dobby? No, I'm sorry. You're frozen out because you said Ron. Oh, <laughs> no. <laughs> He said big nose, didn't he? <laughs> big nose, yeah. Yeah, but yeah. you should know that Rob doesn't think that Ron has a big nose. No, he goes on about it all the time. He goes on about how he doesn't exist. Yeah, made up from the pictures, which we've seen. Any more? Oh, uh, yeah, number two. Full-time cook, warrior and waddler. Buzz. Buzz. Mrs. Weasley. Oh, I think Miller's got the buzz first. I think Miller's did get the buzz first. Did you have a, an answer? Mrs. Weasley. It's correct, Rob? Mrs. Weasley. What's she doing on the dating website? What's well, that? no, this is Insta. This is Insta. Oh, okay. oh this is Insta. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I've not done the seeking. And the final one, monobrow, hunchback, duck-footed, snitch lover. Buzz. Victor yeah. Crumb. Victor Crumb is point of peace. It's point yeah. of peace. Yeah, one, one, one. Nice. Okay. Yeah, awesome, Rob. Um, and she also said... If you could choose one character to have a spin-off book slash film, who would you choose, Rob? Fang. Someone's... Fang. For fuck's <laughs> sake, Rob. Like, take this seriously, okay? Such a good little pooch. Um, <laughs> a separate one. Um, a second one. Hagrid, yeah. Hagrid would be good, I think. I, th- I think that's a really good answer, to be fair. Yeah. yeah. Only He only wants Hagrid because Fang would be in it. <laughs> But there'd also be loads of other, you know, creatures True. involved. Yeah, really good. Good answer. Um, any more Muggle Mail? We've got some Underwood reviews. Okay, that's Muggle Mail. Let's Goodness me. Brilliant. Reviews? From M's. The first one is best thing since before Potter invented sliced bread. Oh, here we go. The second one is JK, eat your heart out. And, and that is from JK. Nice. And the third one is man who hates fiction, writes fiction, gives himself six out of ten. <laughs> I probably would, to be fair. Oh, uh, bless you him. You can put those on your covers. Read, read out the rest of his, his, his little mail there, because I think, I think everyone should hear that for morale. He says, I think this may be the best episode ever, and I bloody love all your episodes. This one was so fantastic. 
Wowzers. There you go, guys. I think it's because I fell asleep for most of it and didn't say much. <laughs> <laughs> Which one is that referring to? Last, well, last week's. I mean, what a review for Emma Jane. Yeah. Absolutely. Never on more often. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's time for you to show us the front cover of Underwood featuring reviews. Oh, yeah, shit. Shock you to know that I'm not someone who's got colouring pencils. So it's in black and white. So it might not. It might not come up very well. Oh, my well. God, look at that. Shit, I can see that. I told you he was good. Oh, my God, you are good. I told you he was good. I told you. might have to send it on WhatsApp. But you need to take a picture of that. Or Shit. Like... Uh, Rob, actually, That is so good. That. that is fucking great. Rob, can I just show you what I'm going to send you in the post? Um, wait, uh... Don't give her my address. <laughs> <laughs> she saw, somehow she's already got it because she sent you that mug. <laughs> oh, yeah, because of the mug. Okay, guys, so for the benefit of the listeners, cover of Underwood features Arlo with her back to the viewer, and she's wearing a, a backpack, looks to be wearing a sort of dark jacket. She's got her head in some pig, her hair in some pigtails. Um, she is looking into a wood rendered above Arlo's head in what is clearly wooden writing, if that makes sense. Uh, are the words the the underwood which is interesting because i didn't realize it was called the underwood i think it's a better title yeah it is yeah i like it now just to arlo's left in the foreground is uh a badger a badger's face looking out towards the reader yeah and (laughs) and and just within the wood just to the left of arlo's head is a is the second badger um, it remains to be seen which is Amos and which is Felix and just to the bottom right next to Arlo seemingly accompanying her into the underwood because it's facing the same way is unmistakably the froggart yeah big hairy froggart yeah sort of wide yes yeah, I can see the toady furry looking creature yeah. yeah I mean you clearly a cockney and don't forget the owl yeah I wasn't yeah, I, was, I wasn't very happy with the owl <laughs> Is it an owl or is it a penguin? And lastly, <laughs> just just in the top right corner, boy. just next to the word uh, wood, there is an owl. Um, what was the owl called again? Oh, a taco larkin. Yeah, taco yarkin. Taco yarkin. That's actually a very rare Finnish owl. That's what they look like. Taco yarkin. Penguins. Penguinish. So I want to say two things. One, this is fantastic. Yes, fucking amazing. Two, I think I'm vindicated. He's good at drawing, isn't he? He's very good at drawing. Told you. Definitely. I don't remember. I I haven't drawn for for a long time. So this was, uh, yeah, I quite enjoyed it, actually. Yeah, Rob, that is an awesome cover. Um, Obviously, we're going to give you a week off Underwood, I think. Um, You know, it's only fair because you've done some great work there. The only thing I would say, Rob, is if you did... Don't feel like you have to. If you did want to add colour to it, feel free. Right, that's enough. Rob, you got to go. I love you, nerds. Bye. Nerds. Bye, bye. Bye, bye. I love you. Bye. 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 He's gone. Thoughts? I'm pissed I off. I mean, it's what I expected. The only thing that surprised me is that, that he preferred the second chapter more to the first chapter. I thought it would be the other way around. Yeah. But I still didn't think he'd really like either of them. I'm not too worried. Um, I think, as like I said before, like it, if it's in context, these chapters like have yeah. their place, but it is difficult reading them on their own. I'm never happy to get like PA, but I'm not worried about the PA. Yeah. Oh, no, I'm not worried. Um, so let's chat a bit of deep dive. Okay. I've got something to say. 
Go on, Phil. Go for it. I'll be honest. I don't have much to say. I've got something to say. Okay, hit us up. What What you said last week about there maybe being a taboo on Voldemort. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely isn't the case because Harry says Voldemort at the burrow. Yeah, that's fine. I imagine in my head the taboo would have been removed after the incident had been cleared up. Okay, but also we got some muggle some owl posts on this. But also, just just to be clear, I I was never, you know, never diehard on that idea. No, it just you, came to you me. were like, no, I know, it was just yeah. an idea. But Katie uh, message on Instagram, uh, short time friend of the show, well, real fan. Oh, Katie's a real fan. Hi, Katie. Hi, Katie. Um, it said if they were looking for Voldemort supporters, they wouldn't taboo the name Voldemort because they always call him the Dark Lord. So true. They taboo the word Voldemort in that chapter in book seven is because it's for people who are against Voldemort, but brave enough to say it. Yeah, great yeah. point. Absolutely fantastic point. What's Katie's surname, just between you and me? Okay, can you believe it? It's Fuck off. Yeah, I know. That is fantastic. No, we, can't, we can't include that, though. I want to beep it. Surely she can just call it, but surely if that was your name, you just, I'd just call myself Yeah, maybe she does. Anyways, um, we'll, we'll get back to a bit more OP in a moment. I had a couple of deep divey things. So one thing that's introduced in this chapter that's obviously very important throughout the book is Rita Skeeter and the concept of the press. I'm a little bit surprised that there isn't more than one what you'd call proper newspaper. I'm surprised that JK mm. didn't didn't have at least two or three that maybe had like you know, if she wanted to make a proper reflection of the press and the way that it works, it, there could have been scope for that. What do you think? I I could imagine there being like two, like one kind of more, I guess you would say like liberal left wing, muggle accepting and one being more. But I think it doesn't, it's not actually ref, trying to like reflect our press necessarily in, in that same way. And realistically, it's like a, such a, it's a much smaller society. They're not going to have like, like who's going to buy? Like there probably aren't enough people to like sustain two newspapers. Yeah, and there are a lot of there are a lot of publications. There just aren't many yeah. newspapers. Like there's a lot of like it it like magazines and like trade which publications. Weekly. Yeah, which broomstick? Yeah, which are kind of like they're like yeah, it's like trade or like interests based, like hobby based. Whereas this is like more news. It's all about this is all about like the the state basically leaning on the press isn't it it's not what we have like people can be like cynical all they want but we don't have like state-controlled press yeah see what you mean no well we can't because there's several yeah but i know that's what i'm saying like i don't think it's supposed to be like a mirror of our press no it's a good point what do we think about rita because obviously she's, she's going to come up quite a lot I don't, I'm not sure we'll have an awful lot of time to talk about her in the other times that she comes up necessarily. So I just thought now might be a good time because it's a bit of a quiet week. I mean, I, I think she's awesome. I love her. What do you guys think? Yeah, great character. I've always loved her as a character. Mm. And she's that kind Tabs. of, she's that kind of like, all, like, she's not a baddie, but she's like that almost baddie, but a real enjoyable one. Whereas like Umbridge... You know, there are, like, people that you love to hate and people that you just hate. Yeah. Yeah, I see what you mean. Like, it's enjoyable to hate Rita Skeeter. Umbridge is just, like, disgusting. Yeah, good point. Like, Snape yeah. is almost, like, enjoyable to hate as well. 
Yeah, I I agree with that. Yeah, I do agree with that. I think the thing that distinguishes them is that there's no humanity in Umbridge, whereas there is in Rita. She's she's just a very she's a very cynical woman, and I think it's good for the book to have a character like that because there aren't many that are just that. There's lots of characters that are driven with different motivations and outlooks. But then to have someone who I think is a good person at the core, but is also just very cynical about their career. Um, yeah. I think it's good for the book to have that. She's very much a stereotype of a journalist, isn't she? Yeah. Oh, massively. A very good one. I think like what I like about Rita a lot of the time is what she brings out of other characters as well. Like I love the bit, the interaction that we see between her and Dumbledore. Mm, where yes he just says like oh I really enjoyed your portrayal of me and she's just completely non-plus she, she doesn't care at all that he's read what she said about him it's just all very upfront and- yeah I love that exchange because they both they're just like they're both like fine and like yeah like so many other people would be embarrassed and back down or make excuses but he just yeah. like he addresses it and she's like yeah well yeah it's true I like that I want to talk about Percy as well. Again, a bit of a quiet week. Percy, mm. not somebody that we're going to touch on, I don't think, too much through the series. Um, he's obviously super ambitious, super smart, whatever. He's obviously being uh, really up himself in these first few chapters. Where do you think he ends up? He obviously reconciles by the end of the book series. And by that point, he's like a few years into his ministry career or whatever. Yeah, and then the ministry is going to be like basically re- rebuilt from the ground up. Where do you think he ends up? I, I don't know if there's like a canon answer to this. I feel quite strongly that he will have left the ministry because I think that he'll have gone through the same kind of maturing that Dumbledore does early on, where he realizes how it isn't for him, mm-hmm. and it wouldn't surprise me if he goes to teach or something. I can't imagine him being a good teacher, though, although there doesn't seem to be a prerequisite to teaching at Hogwarts. No, but maybe he teach teach people to do something else. Yeah. Uh, I, do you know what? I reckon there would be a canon answer. I'm going to look for one. There might be, Phil. There might be. I haven't I hadn't bothered to look one up. I'd like I'd like to imagine that after the war, he goes off on the grand tour thing. Yeah, he needs that, doesn't he? He definitely needs that oh, more than yeah, more than anyone, yeah. more than any of the Weezies. I think he needs it, and I like to think that his family might encourage him to do that rather than it's yeah. Fashion, though, isn't it? People don't normally do it these days. No, it is a bit old-fashioned, but I like to think that you know maybe he saved up a bit of money when he was working for the ministry for a few years, and he could sort of take that off and do as much of it as possible. Then then come back and I I could see him still being in the ministry but I also think there, there's scope for him to exist outside of it but I definitely yeah. think he would take a bit of a break after you know yeah. everything that happened I like to think that he'll have like learned a lot about himself yeah and what he doesn't want are you finding are you finding anything canon yeah I am I know he married he got married and had two children mm-hmm he married a woman named Audrey. Audrey. And had two daughters, Molly and Lucy. We have got it. Yeah, following the end of the second week, Percy returned to the now reformed Ministry of Magic and became head of the Department of Magical Transportation and a new minister, Kingsley Shacklebolt. 
on the 11th of July 2014, Percy attended and frowned as he watched the final of the 2014 Quidditch World Cup, where Rita Skeeter noticed he had aged considerably since the Battle of Hogwarts and was greying and balding. Percy eventually marries a woman named Audrey and the couple had two daughters. On the 1st of September 2017, he was present on Platform 9 and 3 quarters discussing broomstick regulations, presumably seeing off one or both of his daughters. So, yeah, he did end up back at the ministry. So he went back. Yeah, there you go. And led the department. Interesting. I've got one more bit of deep dive thing, but I had a bit of OP about it. So all I'm going to say is dress robes. Yeah. I'm going to come back to that, though, because I've got a bit of our post about it. Dermstrang. Dermstrang don't let muggle-borns in. That means in Northern Europe, somewhere, wherever their intake is, there are un... I don't know, undiscovered, underdeveloped, untrained, magical muggle-borns. Well, yeah. we don't, but we don't know, like, how wide the Durmstrang's, like, catchment is. Because other countries have magical schools just smaller, right? Or do we think that the neighbouring countries offer places to muggle-borns from that country? Possibly. They might do, because obviously the thing is you can, it does seem from what Malfoy said that you can choose to go wherever, but obviously if you're muggle-born, you're just not going to know, are you? So you do need to be kind of told, you do need a letter. Yeah. In canon, um, there aren't that many European schools outside of Hogwarts, Beaverton and Durmstrang, and... I always kind That's of fucking madness, though. Because... Well, I always had the impression that, obviously, yeah, that is madness. And no, we we don't and can't know about all the schools in Europe. But I'm just saying confirmed. So but you're you're just talking about Europe, are you? Yes, for okay. now. Yes, for now. What I'm saying is, I don't think that it necessarily follows that because there are, I don't know, like fifty something UN recognized countries in Europe that there's going to be. 50 wizarding schools because the borders and um yeah. you know the map yeah. of europe has like shifted so much um and most of these schools will easily outdate the existing european countries even from say 150 years ago yeah. hogwarts for a start does ireland as well as britain well i imagine Durmstrang is in somewhere in scandinavia and its intake is probably Scandinavia. That's interesting because I see Durmstrang as being more of a um, Northern European, but more at the Soviet end of things. Mm. Bulgaria is way out to the uh, oh, east. I forgot he, yeah, he plays with Bulgaria. He's Bulgarian, yeah. but again, I don't, I don't think it necessarily follows that it's in Bulgaria. But it was just that it said it was really, really like I just imagined it being like really dark. Like, mm. you know, like the Scandinavian countries are. No, yeah, I, to- I totally with you. You know, there's parts of um, Eastern Europe that in terms of their latitude are as far north as, say, like Scandinavia. Um, Not as far north as Svalbard. Maybe that's where it is. Well, maybe. But, but Polar bears keep the muggles away. Possibly, yeah, possibly. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if there are like maybe eight to 12 schools in Europe. And they cover like general areas as opposed to specific countries. Yeah, yeah. And and also remember, and now we're just talking about Europe. I thought you were talking about the world. Right. Yeah, I'm not saying that there's one per country. 
I just think they're probably like smaller. Or even if they're not smaller, they're just not as prestigious. Yeah, I think they're smaller ones. Mm. It might not be that they're actually like smaller in terms of numbers. No. Obviously, we can't, there's, we can't know enough to really think on it. But I just had the thought of like, there may be muggle-borns in some parts of Europe that just don't get picked up by anyone. I think there would be. Yeah, if, yeah. if Durmstrang like actively aren't letting them in, not looking for them, or even knowing that they exist and but deliberately also, ignoring them. There must, I imagine, like it's probably not common, but there would be muggles, for example, in, in the UK or like where somewhere else, or muggle-born witches and wizards who don't end up going to Hogwarts and pursuing yeah, that true. because their parents don't accept it. What do you think happens then? I don't know, but I'm mem- actually- mem- memory charms, memory charms all round, and we move on. Yeah, like if the parents just don't accept it, just won't well, like let they them go. Well, they just don't. Won't, when I don't like, they won't believe it, will they? They won't believe it. Well, obviously, no one can believe it at first, can they? But eventually, I think they see the proof, don't they? But I think that there will be people who don't believe it. Even once they've seen Albus Dumbledore turn up and turn their sofa into but a sow. Doesn't normally do that. No, but it, it would come to it, wouldn't it? Surely, if McGonagall was reporting... No, I don't think so. I don't think it's like they're desperate to force all... And I'm, I they don't know... They need to get Harry there. Yeah, and it's different with Tom. Because he's an orphan. Yeah, and also even then, like, Dumbledore can see he's, there's something a bit different about him. This is the thing. I don't know Hogwarts would be that kind of blasé about letting people who are capable of doing magic just, like... But they're, they're, not really cap- they're not really capable. And if it, I think like if it's never harnessed, like they've got a child's level of magic. And if it's never harnessed and they're never taught how to like grow it and develop it. But eventually it will just like it won't. Yeah. Their level of magic won't match like their like. Their adult- other abilities. Yeah. But yeah. This is how that you create an, an obs- is it an obscurious? is you suppress magical ability within that's a child. Acti- that's when it's actively suppressed. But how would it not be actively suppressed? Because they're just not choosing to... To use it. So the option then is that they accidentally use it all the time, which they would do, like Harry does. But I wonder if when they get more into their lives and like as we rely more on technology, that works instead of it, because... You can't have loads of technology around magic, can you? It's an interesting question. Um, it is an interesting question. Yeah, listeners, let us know. What do you think happens when muggle-born parents and children are approached about going to Hogwarts and the parents won't accept it? What do you think happens? I would assume that they all get their memories wiped and then the child is then monitored by the ministry. Well, there'll be also, there'll be children who don't absolutely do not want to leave their parents and go to a strange boarding school. It would be like, say you were like a child prodigy on the piano and you were really, really good, but then you get to like 11 and you just start practicing. Yeah. And you I do don't think thing. it. I don't think it's like that because to be a child prodigy on the piano, you need to be forced into it at three and obsessively practice and dedicate all your time to it. And I can see then how an eleven-year-old starting to develop a sense of self would be like, "Hold on, who decided I wanted to actually even do this and put all this stress on myself?" Whereas 
when you're a muggle-born wizard, you don't actually know what's going on. You just accidentally start performing magic to do things to your advantage. But I don't think like a 10 or 11-year-old's level of magic, like unharnessed, undeveloped, once you then have an adult's body, I don't think that would like have the same control over you. Quite, quite possibly. It's not, it's not grown with you. I'm saying, I'm sure there is a process for when this happens. I think, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, I think yeah. it's memory charms and then, but I think the ministry keeps an eye. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I'm sure they do. Let's move on to General Outpost. And I want to start with this piece about the dress robes. So this is from longtime friend of the show, Rosie King. Do not know what you all think, but I have a great deal of empathy for Ron. Youngest son, but not the youngest child. Rarely gets anything new. Just well-worn cast-offs of his brother's second-hand dress robes. On the train, Hermione mended the window that broke when an embarrassed Ron slammed the door of the train. Shame she could not mend the second-hand robes to make them more presentable slash less embarrassing. Magic has been used to mend bones, prepare food, transport wizards. Why not to help out poor Ron? And the note that I made about the dress robes was, uh, what do you think is preventing wizards, uh, magical people, from amending something like a dress robe? I think you can do that. Why don't they? I'm sure they do. They do alter things. Yeah, but but Hermione doesn't know, like Hermione is very good at Reparo, but she's probably not very advanced at like altering clothes because she doesn't, she hasn't done that. What about Mrs. Weasley? So I think, I'd be surprised if Mrs. Weasley wasn't quite handy with like an e-doll, but it would be exactly the same as in the muggle world, I think. So like my mum's really, really good at sewing. If you ask me to sew something, it would look like a bag of crap. Ron, Ron has a go, doesn't he? Ron has a go and he masters it up. Yeah. I think if Ron sent it to like a seamstress wizard, it could be done in five seconds. My personal theory was that I thought that very expensive items of wizarding clothing, like dress robes, to protect their brand when they're made may have some form of non-alterable magic put onto them so that people can't just like transform an old rag into like a really smart bit of dress robes. He tries, but he can't, right? Well, he does, but he just I think that's because he's untidy. I think it's because he's think- not good at it. So why the hell, why is anyone ever going to, to Madame Malkin's then? Why aren't we just picking up old bits of rag and transforming them? No, because, because you, it's a, still a skill. There. It's still a skill. So maybe you might have that skill because you you do a lot of sewing as a hobby. I think it's exactly the same as okay, us. That's like like yeah, it's still a I skill. That's like saying, why do you bother going to buy clothes when you could sew some material into a T-shirt? It clearly isn't, though, is it? No, it is. No, it, it isn't, is. because they all learn transfiguration. They can all change. It's not transfiguration. They can all, it, it is, in a sense, like you're changing the, the, the shape and look of something. Do you know what I mean? You're telling me Molly Weasley couldn't have removed that rough and changed the colour of it in a few seconds. I, I think Millers is right, is that her energy is best place elsewhere. Like, that's obviously not a priority to her. Well, I think I think she I think she can't do it, but I don't think it's because she lacks the skill. I think it's because the cl- the the clothes are protected against it. 
King, you know they say he paints a picture of Dean Thomas being quite good at art. Yeah. And um, there's a bit where, like, he talks about um, and charms that Hermione can do to make things look pretty. Like, I think to say the charm, to do the charm, I reckon Ron and Hermione could do exactly the same one, but it would have a different look about it because Hermione has clearly got more of an eye for that kind of thing. She's more skilled. She's neater. And yeah, for me, that's what it's all to, that's what it's all to do with. Like, and I think it is to do with effort and to do with time. I think it's just because my mum can like modify clothing. It doesn't mean every piece of clothing I have, she would do for me. She'd be like, no, you can put up with that. Whereas if something's too long, she'd be like, yeah, I can sort it. There's certain fabrics that are harder to work with than other fabrics. She might be like, I'm not comfortable working with that fabric. It takes more skill. And I think that's what it is. And also, like, I think, I just also think that Mrs. Weezy doesn't think it's all that bad. No, I don't. Because she's like, that's a traditional dress robe. Like, I know it's an old one. I know it's secondhand, but like. It's a traditional dress robe. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, well, I think I think she's spent... also she's also not doing it out of just like pride. Yeah, pride and yeah. wanting to teach him a lesson. I think. But yeah, I'm just I'm trying to think of a reason why clothes would be more difficult than anything else that also fits into our assumption that dress robes are expensive and exclusive items. And because otherwise, I, I'm struggling to think of like why clothing and material why it should be like a special rule why why it can't I kind of get what you mean why it can't yeah. be changed and manipulated like other materials so easily can be uh, and i'm 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 thinking that if you know those dress robes were made however many years ago you know the manufacturers like put spells on clothes to make them so they can't be changed so that they don't you know lose their value otherwise they'd literally you'd buy one set of dress robes and I think then it, you'd you'd pay someone to alter it every few years, and so the yeah, the people. Yeah. Yeah, I so think you could do that. How how then? Do. But how then do these people that make the dress robes ex- exist? Because someone like Melkins does the the alterations as well. Yeah. What about the people um, who actually um, make um, the robes and sell them? Um, yeah, Melkins does that. Melkins does all these things. And fashions like, change as well. Like James yeah. has got like a tailored suit. But say he wanted another suit, he wouldn't necessarily just get the original one altered. He'd get a different one as well. I get what you're saying, but this fits into how the kids have to go back to get new robes. They can't just like extend them. Like Mm. I'm I'm struggling. I'm struggling. I'm struggling with the idea that clothing has a special element to it that normal people can't manipulate it unless it's put there by the manufacturer. I just, I don't, I just think it's down to a skill. And I think the wizard, the wizarding world is not like, we don't have, they don't have a high street where you just go and like buy stuff off the rack. It is done like more in a more old fashioned way. Like you go to Malkin's to the place where the robes are made. That's where you can buy new ones and get them fitted to you. But it's also where you can get alterations done. I wonder if it's to do with like, the fabric of the dress robes as well. Yeah. All I'm suggesting is that the 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 material that's used to make these clothes has some sort of magical property that makes them very difficult to yeah, alter no, and change. That. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I agree with that. Like I can't I can't just accept that people aren't able to 
alter, extend, remove, add, when they can do so much else with their wands. It doesn't make any sense that they couldn't do it to clothing. I think that the either the like raw material that they're using, I don't know, maybe they use like pygmy puff silk to make this stuff and which has yeah, like special like really magical high material. Or they just use yeah. like your bog standard cotton or silk or something, but then they put charms on it so that the person who's bought it can't alter it. Because otherwise they're going out of business. Feels like we're going around in circles. I've got our, our post. Okay, here's Phil. This is from Emma Semerel, who is a long-time friend of the show. And the owner of the mug. Question about um, the Magical Society and how it runs. Um, how is the ministry funded? Is it funded by tax? Because um, presumably quite a large proportion of the Magical community work there and obviously they all get a salary. Um, who oversees that? Is that is the sort of tax system overseen by um, wizards and witches or is it overseen by goblins? Just when you were talking about the uh, the way that things were run um, on the podcast this week, I was just wondering if there was any information about that or what your thoughts are. I don't know whether there's any information about it, but I've definitely thought about this before because it seems like a lot of people work at the ministry and quite a high yeah. portion of um, magical adults also i don't know how the school well we've, we've spoken about the school before but i don't know how like the hospital and the healthcare system works but you don't hear about kind of bills and you just think like all those people and all those costs the taxes must be sky high unless they're getting like i don't know how else it would be funded i imagine that the tax system is and this is just because my brain is too limited probably but i imagine it's incredibly similar to ours there's like a progressive taxation system and yeah it's just quite a big state which would which would mean quite high taxes but quite high taxes are okay to people when you have a lot of good public services for them the problem is yeah. like do you think lucius malfoy's paying tax well the other thing i was going to add is that i think the ministry is partly funded by benefactors i.e people who make large donations for favorable you know it's cash it's cash, cash, for, for, cash for questions but i think in general that's, that's, that's another reason why the wizarding world needs to have like entrepreneurial productive people because they would be taxed like on they I'm assuming again it's just like ah oh, so there would be like business rates on people who are providing services and well goods. very high yeah and I imagine that yeah they would have to be quite high but also those businesses would be quite productive and that's why you have Percy quibbling about like broom regulation and there was that law that we learned yeah. about in um series two or uh, where extending charms have like controls on them so that you can't just like buy a box and then put loads of extension charms on it and make it into a house yeah I see what you mean because if, if that wasn't a rule the people who are like making and supplying these tents at the Quidditch World Cup they'd have no business because everyone would just buy um, a one-man tent or 
a cloak on two sticks and then put their own extension charms on it. Same with trunks, like to protect those businesses. There are like laws and things that stop people from doing stuff. And I think the wizarding world would need that because otherwise nobody could make any money outside of working for the ministry. And then it's just and like, there's yeah, no money yeah to there's, pay them. there's just the same money going round and round yeah. the system. I mean, if I'm being like totally honest and just like looking at the book, I don't really think that the economy has been fully um, wow. thought out. And that's not a criticism because um, it's a kid's book. And also like you, like, you don't have to, you don't always have to think about absolutely everything. I think it's possible that the economy could go beyond the wizarding population, though. I'm sure that there are wizards who could bring money into the wizarding economy from muggles, just as, yeah. long, as, they, as long as they stick to the statute of secrecy. There's no reason why they couldn't necessarily uh, sell muggles things or... Do... Like Angel Delight. Like Yeah, stuff that, stuff that we like, oh my God, how that. does that work? But oh, basically, we think it's yeah. it's ta- it's very high taxes. Yeah. Progressive tax system with with quite high tax because people don't need all that much spending money, do they? If um, they can replicate food to a certain amount, and and if their kids are going to like kids are bed and board, well, and you yeah. don't spend much, you don't like spend loads on transport, which is like huge exactly. normally. No, you can apparate everywhere, so you don't spend any money on transportation. So I think it's fine for taxes to be quite high. And like, if you think about people's main expense in the muggle world, it's to do with it's your mortgage, isn't it? Yeah. And bearing in mind the location of where you live isn't that important. No. Yeah. So you just wear so, it's cheap. Exactly, like, yeah, I was just gonna say, I like the thing where Emma said, like, who looks after it because I wonder if it would sit with the goblins. I absolutely don't think so. I got like Gringotts is a private bank, there's no way that they will be in charge of tax. So, you think there'd be like a ministry department that, yeah, deals with taxation? Yeah, that's interesting. I can't imagine it being like a private enterprise in charge of tax i could only see the goblins being in charge of tax in the sense that a lot of people probably get paid into their gringotts account like and the goblins would probably be in charge of like magically moving that money around oh they'd probably move it into the like into the treasury account within gringotts yeah and they would take they're not like in charge they're, they're not in charge like they're not they're just doing that in their role as being bankers yeah i think they just provide the service to the ministry of moving gold from ministry accounts into employee accounts but i imagine the goblins take a tiny percentage of all the tax revenue for the for the service mm. of actually organizing that in terms of payment. I mean, the thing is, it might not be PAYE. It might be that they get a tax bill at the end of the year. Might be. It might be they get a tax bill at the mm. end of the year. And that would make sense. But I don't think in the department of... Um, I don't think we hear of a, a relevant department because we go through virtually the whole ministry. We don't, don't we? but we, uh, there are, I'm sure there are parts of the ministry that we don't know. I can't imagine that it's... Because there's people... Like, there will have to be a department that, like, sets the rates and, like, is in charge of all those logistics. Like they're not going to put that in front in charge of the goblins at the end of the day. Wizards don't trust goblins. Mm. They do trust them with their gold. 
they trust them to look after their gold. I, I like the idea of a tax bill, you know, at the end of the year. I imagine it might be more just of a tax one owl. Bill. You get one owl that comes from potentially from Gringotts being like, your tax has been calculated as this. It's going to be removed mm. from your account on this date, from your vault on this date. Or you yeah. need to come and remove it on your vault from your vault on this date and take it to the Ministry of Magic. Great question, though, by the way. Thank you really so much. Good question. Yeah, really cool question. Hope you're enjoying your mug. Okay, a uh, message from the Tower Falls. The outpost last week about what spell would you choose? Was it if you could only have one? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, she yeah. said, Occlumency is more of a skill, but Legilimens is actually a verbal spell, so we could have given him that. What, to read people's minds? Did he ask to do that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay, he actually yeah. didn't ask for but he asked for people's minds. She says, um, I would I would choose Repero as an everyday spell. It's actually the first and last verbal spell of the entire series. Yeah, Repero is good, but the thing is with Repero is that I'd want it to work on like electronics, which it probably would which it wouldn't, so, would it? Like I say- want them to fix my laptop if it gets broken. Yeah. But it's not gonna do that. This is from Jamie. Hi, guys. Just listened to the Quidditch World Cup episode. Fantastic. On your discussion of world travel and how much more accessible and easier it is for wizarding families to travel internationally, how do you think they would have gone with the recent travel bans with COVID? Oh, so he's in um, Australia. So obviously like like major, major bans there. Do you think they would have ignored the travel bans or do you think they would even get or carry COVID? How far do the magical remedies extend? So there's a few questions in there. I think they definitely can get COVID. I think they can get it, but I also think they can protect really effectively against it. With like a bubble head charm is going to be way more effective than a face mask. You mean protect against catching it? Yeah, and yeah. protecting other people from it. Like magical yeah. PPE is going to be yeah. way better than RPP but no I don't think they're immune from getting it and yeah I do think they'd be largely immune from the travel bans because actually the main issue with muggles traveling is the close proximity they have to be in to get from A to B um I I don't think wizards are immune to COVID I think they could probably cure it quite quickly I think there's a suggestion in the books that they are quite good at curing um, mm. what you would call muggle illnesses. Yeah. Um, your typical just kind of like colds and flus and viruses. Um, not that that's what COVID is, but it's a kind of virus. And they, yeah. can, they can handle those quite well. They've and got they, like pepper up potions. They'd come up with a, I think they'd come up with a very effective potion quite quickly. But I think they would have had to definitely do something about it they i don't think they could have ignored it i think they would have immediately got their like best at st mungo's and um their like best potion makers onto maybe even the department of mysteries could have taken part in this mm. developing a potion really quickly um yeah definitely doing a lot of like spying on the muggles and what you know trying to find out as much about it as possible and they would have sent out like those ministry leaflets, like yeah. bubblehead charm your family whenever you're going out. Um, try not to mix with muggles as much as possible. Um, not that they 
do that a lot anyway but you know just generally when you're moving around try to avoid them even more than possible so yeah I think there would have definitely been steps and measures but I think once you catch it as a wizard it could probably be cured quite quickly Mm. he also said uh, going back to the average lifespan of wizards I googled Dumbledore's age when he died and got the following Rowling said in an interview that Dumbledore was about 150 years old However, on her website, she states that Dumbledore was born in 1881, making him either a 115 or 116 at the time of his death. Based on that, I just had a guess. So you wouldn't get 120 as an average? Uh, no, I think he was like going for roughly how old Dumbledore was, something in between 115 and 150. So that's how, that's how he figured out the average? Fine. I think that's fair enough to go for 120 as an average of Dumbledore because although he was a great wizard, he died at 115, but he wasn't, he died of a calamity, right? He didn't die of old age. No, he was in good health and Mm. was like physically capable, mentally astute. And yeah, he was a great wizard, but I'd I'd be resistant to say that because you're more intelligent, you live longer. Um, Mm. I don't think there's any proof of that. I think it's just, you know, a bit of luck and a bit of taking care of yourself. So, yeah, 120 is probably a decent effort because Dumbledore was old, but not as old as some of the characters that we meet uh, along the way who are still, um, you know, still going along. Um, So I've got lots of um, outposts from Jenny. Some of it I'm going to save because it's um, about things in um, chapters coming up. But she did say, I I agree about Potterless. She says, I have listened to every person reads harry potter for the first time podcast podcast out there and consider myself somewhat of a connoisseur i did listen to the whole thing and it does get more bearable as the book wins him over but yeah i don't think i would want to hang out with the guy he seems like negative vibes i would highly recommend unspoiled harry potter natasha and rashawn 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 are great and they have deep chats and rashawn is the perfect first time audience also, John Voth, a Canadian actor, read the whole series to himself for his first time, reading while doing the voices and acting each character live. It is so, so wholesome. Well, thank you very much for um, that, Jenny. Um, yeah, great to hear from you. Great to hear that we are um, included in the, the pantheon of great person reads Harry Potter for the first time podcasts. Oh, and yeah, we'll check out Rashawn and, and what was the other lady's name? Yeah, we'll check out your suggestion. Natasha, Natasha and Rashawn, 100%. Um, all, but also on that note, Katie... Um, Katie... Katie on Instagram um, said that she listened to... She says, I listened to all of Potterless and you made the right decision to stop after four episodes. He only gets more arrogant as he goes on. I knew it. However, we are not like here to bash other people's podcasts. I'm ready to start beef. Phil, are you with me? We just have yeah, fun. I am, yeah. Yeah, I knew Phil would be with me. She's Vance. Oh, no. Come on. <laughs> Potterless is terrible, man. Yeah, I don't want to listen to it. But if other people look, if other people enjoy listening to it, that's fine. But like I'm not gonna listen to it. I might listen to it to have something to say. But I I mean I love I mean I don't really know why people like listen to us because I love Harry Potter. Bear in mind that not many do. Oh yeah. That's it. I then. Listen to us. If we were sat here with like a hundred thousand listeners, I would be baffled. <laughs> the fact that we're sat here with like a hundred. Like some people do. That's like 
that's mad because I even like like that podcast that we used to listen to Phil like I love Harry Potter but I've never yeah, I've know. never stuck with the Harry Potter pod- podcast because it always I haven't found a format that doesn't get old for me welcome to I Harry mean, Potter I'm Virgin sure lots of people, <laughs> I'm sure this has got lots of old for lots of people do you know what the do you know what Millers the issue with any Harry Potter podcast that I've listened to before is they don't have mug merchandise Welcome to the Harry Potter Virgin, both muggy. Thank you. And with a format that we just keep, we keep fresh. I think, yeah. I think Underwood helps. I think Underwood helps. I think Underwood helps. There's like a subplot developing where it's yes. actually going to be a really good book. <laughs> <laughs> Last bit of our post I just remembered is that Lauren yeah. did want you guys to also answer the question about um spin-off but with a bit more detail for um you know spoilers she said to the potterheads you could either do a prequel of a dead character or a sequel of a character still alive at the end of the series snape prequel or sequel (laughs) well could be the afterlife (laughs) (laughs) snape in heaven I reckon Snape, Snape uh, interacting with famous people from history in heaven would be quite good. Oh, Dick Van Dyke. He's not dead. He's not dead. Um, I don't think so. You know who is dead? Um, Ian McKellen. No, he's not dead. No, he's not. Oh, the, who was the one you guys told me was dead? Alan Rickman. Alan Rickman. Yeah, Snape. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Like, Snape, <laughs> Snape meets Alan Rickman in heaven. <laughs> a one-man show. That's um, the sequel I want. So mine, like, I, I do think is a bit obvious, but I've always said it. I'd want some sort of prequel with Dumbledore. I want to read The Life and Lies of Albus Dumbledore. I mean, you're effectively going to get that with Fantastic Beasts, aren't you? Like they've got, yeah, they've got, too, they've yeah. got Jude Law in. It's obviously yeah. going to be like Dumbledore in his prime. That's where they've got it. It's not really Fantastic Beasts, isn't it? It's like it's been railroaded. Yeah, Albus Dumbledore. Yeah, I think it has been. Yeah. Certainly, the first Wizarding War is basically what it's going to end up as, right? Yeah. I I, I would I would go with I would love to have a kind of. Um, I wouldn't be desperate to read this now, but what I'd like the idea of if I was a kid again would be uh, either like a Jacqueline Wilson style Hermione Granger prequel where she's at school with like her mates and stuff and all the like stereotypical kids that you get at school. And yeah, weird things keep happening and she's not sure why. And yeah, yeah, it would be like a Jacqueline Wilson book slash, well, Tracy Beaker was Jacqueline Wilson, like the Tracy Beaker TV show that I can see that. That'd be cool. So thank you for that, Lauren. Um, And I think that's it, right, guys? Thank you very much for listening to the Harry Potter Virgin. Our theme tune was an original composition by Patrick Steed. It's goodbye from Millers. Goodbye. Goodbye from Phil. The many house elves of Hogwarts. And goodbye from me. Goodbye. Goodbye.